Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Ever Dundas, author of the new novel, Hell Sands. Writer Mariana Enriquez wrote about the novel, Hell Sands is speculative fiction at its best. Political, fearless, smart, badass, and also with tons of horrific body horror and cruelty from just about everyone. To put it down is unthinkable. You care about everything and everyone all the time. Ever, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Jeff. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Hell Sands, how would you describe the novel? Um, well, I'd say it's a sci-fi thriller, and it's set in a kind of alternative dystopian uh, UK. And the Inex is a cyborg doll-like personal assistant. And this has replaced the smartphone as the kind of thing that everybody has to have. Um, and the population um, of the UK is controlled by its blessed reaction to the Hell Sands typeface. So when they see it, they experience a kind of contentment. Um, and it's a ubiquitous typeface that's enforced by the government. But there's a minority who are allergic to the typeface and they're called the deviants and they're forced to live in ghettos on the outskirts of the city. And the um, the narrative kind of follows two main protagonists. Um, the first one is Jane Ward and she's CEO of the company that develops the NX. Um, and she's quite powerful and in league with the government until she ends up falling ill with this allergy. And then kind of loses her charmed life. And she ends up languishing in the ghetto. And But then her story kind of collides with the second protagonist, who is Dr. Eco Smith. And um, Eco has been developing a health sans allergy cure. And both Jane and um, Eco end up going on the run from the government. And the Seraphs, um, who are kind of the ghetto terrorists or freedom fighters, kind of depending on your viewpoint. And they all kind of have their own agenda for the cure. And the book is in three parts. And the first two parts, their reader can choose which order that they'd like to um, read it. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Hell Sands? I do indeed. Um, it was a kind of quite a memorable moment. Um Although basically there's there's actually kind of several things that led to Hell Sands, but the main one is, you know, the typeface idea. So um, at the time I was working in an office and one of my colleagues started using Comic Sans and emails, <laughs> which, you know, made me twitch quite a lot. <laughs> then another colleague started doing it. And um, so basically that day I went home to my husband and told him about it and said it's spreading like a disease and basically in that instance Hell Sands was born um, like basically that instance because mid-conversation I just ran off to write the scene um, probably much to the, the annoyance of my husband although I think he's used to me being off in my head a lot um, <laughs> so that was kind of the main impetus but there, there was kind of some other things that fed into that because um, I was partly influenced by some graffiti I'd seen, which said um, in huge sort of capital letter said society is making you sick, 
And there was some another graffiti that said, capitalism is killing us. And I basically thought, well, what if I took that and really ran with it, you know? So you could basically say that um, Hell Sands typeface is a big, very unsubtle metaphor for capitalism, whereas some people benefit from it and thrive and others suffer. That, and that's interesting. it was also, yeah, um, it was also, you know, my experience of living in cap under capitalism and also in the UK as a disabled person, you know, under a Tory government, that was a huge influence. So even before the pandemic, disabled people have been living in a dystopia. And I basically wanted to draw attention to that in the book. And so I'm curious, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing your first stories and getting your first novel published? Um, it's been a very long journey. I'm I'm in my 40s now, and um, I've been writing short stories and poetry, um, pretty terrible poetry, has to be said, um, <laughs> since, since I was a, a small child. Um, I no longer write the terrible poetry. I leave that. I leave the poetry to experts. Um, so basically, since I was a kid, and my only ambition, actually, since I was about seven years old, was to be a novelist. So it does feel quite good to achieve that ambition. Um, but as it tends to do, you know, life got in the way, and it was a bit of a struggle to get to this point. Um, but I went to university as a mature student. And I got a degree in psychology and sociology. And then straight after that, I went on to do an MA in creative writing at Napier Uni. And yeah, I absolutely loved that, especially as, as it was a course that really celebrated genre fiction, you know, like horror and sci-fi and fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, and I just really thrived at uni and um, what I learned basically has fed into my work. I mean, you know, um, you obviously don't need to do a creative writing MA to be a writer, but I love the course and really got a lot out of it. So, yeah. Well, I'm curious, can you tell us about the inclusion guide that you created with uh, your co-author, Julie Farrell? Sure. Um, yeah, the inclusion guide um, is a practical resource for um, event providers in the literary industry. Although I think it would, um, it can translate to any kind of event provider, really. Um, and it's basically a best practice checklist, further resources, and advice and experience from disabled authors. And we launched it recently at Edinburgh International Book Festival. Um, we, we launched the web version of the guide, which you can find at inclusionguide.org, and that's inclusion with a K. And various other versions will soon follow, including a uh, print version and easy read, braille, BSL and audio. And we just really hope the guide will help take the burden off disabled people. You know, as, as both a disabled author and disabled audience member at literary events, I know how important it is to have good access in place and that just wasn't happening. So I really hope that um, this guide makes a difference. That's great. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, what was your writing process as you were writing Hell Sands? You told us earlier about um, how you kind of got this idea from your your uh, coworkers sending emails in Comic Sans, and then you just had this offhanded comment later in the day to your husband, and you said you went and wrote a scene. I'm curious, how did the novel um, uh, go from there? Did you... After you wrote that initial scene that night, did you end up outlining it or did you just kind of dive into the narrative and see where it led you? Um, well, at the moment that I had the idea for it, I actually ended up having to put it aside because I was still in the middle of working on my first um, novel. Mm-hmm. But I did write lots of notes um, at the time, so I kind of didn't lose that impetus when I came back to it. Um, but when I came back to it, I basically, you know, I had the main structure and narrative beats in place quite early on. Um, I think pretty much had to have that in place as it was my first time working on something that was quite plot heavy with lots of twists and turns. So I had to make sure that that all worked. But it wasn't um, excessively planned. There was still some quite a lot of discovery along the way as well. And And I'm curious, you mentioned earlier in this interview that um, the first two sections of the book you can read in either order. Was that something that came to you as you were writing? How, how did that come about? I can't really remember at what point in the narrative. I think it was actually quite early on as, as I was planning and writing it. Um, I knew that I was going to write the first two parts from different perspectives of the two protagonists. And I think it was kind of as I was writing it and also planning part three, and part three kind of has a bit of commentary on the kind of 
why the narrative is written the way it is in the first mm-hmm. two parts. Um, so I, I knew quite early on when I was kind of thinking about the structure and the characters and, and what the purpose of those narratives were that I would I kind of wanted it to be, you know, the structure. You could read either one first or the other. And then it would kind of affect your view, I guess, of, you know, to you who the main protagonist was maybe. And also you discover certain things in one part before you then discover them in the other part. And I think it just maybe would change certain readers' view of what happens in part three. And, you know, um, readers have different experiences of books anyway. Everybody's an individual. But I kind of like this idea of different readers really having a different kind of experience of the book if they read it in a different order. That's interesting. Well, I'm curious, are you working on another novel now? Um, unfortunately, um, I haven't fully dived into novel three yet as the past two years, you know, um, I've been working on the inclusion guide and that's pretty much dominated my time. Um, because I'm chronically ill, I can't do multiple projects at once, unfortunately. So I had to put my creative practice aside a little bit. Um, but now we're coming to the end of the guide work. I should be able to get back into it soon. And I do have it all there. Um, I've got the synopsis and structure pretty much in place. I've already got screens of notes written, some scenes and a research bookshelf. Um, so it's all basically there waiting for me. And I really, yeah, I can't wait to get immersed in it. Um, I think the only thing I'll say about it just now is that it's set in Venice. So um, clearly I'll have the utterly tedious task of going to Venice to do some research. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Um, edit. Um, editing is really important um, and it's a skill. Um, and, you know, delight in the edit, you know, enjoy the journey rather than rushing to the goal. And I think if you're fortunate enough to get feedback from a professional editor or, you know, colleagues in your writer's group, then then make use of that um, as constructive criticism is an absolute gift. So I would basically tell writers, don't be precious about that. Take take that criticism and use it, use the feedback and interrogate your manuscript with it. It'll make it a better piece of work. I mean, there might be there might be some things that you push back on or disagree with, but again, that's a skill that you could have learned about what's appropriate. And it's important to be able to explain why you disagree and why it's not useful for the story that you're telling. That's good advice. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, I recently was um, basically blown away by Arcady Martin's um, duology, um, a memory called Empire and a desolation called Peace. They're just utterly immersive. The the world building is just exquisite. And um, there's queer relationships as well, a commentary on colonies, colonialism. Um, yeah, they're just fantastic. I highly recommend those. Um, and I also just recently finished reading Mariana Enriquez's Our Share of Night, um, as the English translation is out in the UK in October. And it's just an epic horror classic in the making. Um, and I really badly want a film or TV adaptation of it. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? I'm on both 
Twitter and Instagram, and it's just at everdundas. And I've got a blog, and that's everdundas.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Ever Dundas, author of the new novel, Hell Sands. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Ever, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.